Hi, I'm Nikki Schrera, and you're listening to The Jazz Session, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson one, basic hip. This is episode 580 for the 22nd of December, 2021. Acclaimed vocalists Amy Sovini, Hilary Gardner and Melissa Stiliano join forces and voices to become Duchess, a New York City-based vocal trio known for tight harmonies and big fun, carrying the tradition of the Boswell and Andrew sisters into the 21st century. They've released four albums together, including their most recent live jazz standard, particularly poignant as the much-loved New York jazz venue did not survive the pandemic. We talk about the magic of hearing and seeing Duchess live, treading the fine lines of tradition and homage and modernization in vocal groups, and much more. I'm also throwing in some gems from their 2018 holiday album, Harmony for the Holidays with Duchess, because, well, tis the festive season. Here is my conversation with Amy, Hillary, and Melissa. I love the East, I love the West, and North or South, they're both the best. But we'll only go there as a guest, cause we love being in here with you. I love the sea, I love the shore, I love the rocks, and what is more? Welcome to the jazz session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I need to expand on that because I am chatting to Amy Savini, Melissa Stiliano, and Hilary Gardner, all of whom have been guests on this show when Jason was at the helm nearly 10 years ago for two of you. Oh, yep. yeah. Oh, possible. yeah. Seven or fact eight years check. ago. Can we get a fact checker? Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> don't. Let's not. <laughs> So actually, it was yesterday, Hillary. Do you not remember? Thank That's... you. <laughs> Excellent. But it's a joy to host you all here in your collective, glorious collective form for the first time. And part of the reason that you are all here is both because overdue for a catch up, all of you, I think 2012, 2014, lots has happened. But also you all released the most beautiful, joyous live album, which is called Duchess live at Jazz Standard, and it came out in March 2020 on Anzac Records. Ideal timing. <laughs> well, I would argue, given the atmosphere of this album, it's live, and I will also touch on this, but they've included the live in between song banter, someone at the standard introducing them. So you listen to this, and if you closed your eyes, you would feel like you were in the room with a great, may it rest in peace, 
jazz standard burger, <laughs> a little drink. Um, on reflection, does that album feel like something that is still relevant, certainly to all of you at the four of your minds? Or do you feel like this came out, we're moving on, great document, cool? I think it's a, it's a little of both. Um, I think that, you know, we, we also thought that it would be perfect for that time. People could have, you know, a concert in their house and they just had to close their eyes and we would be there with them. And uh, it didn't, uh, I, think, I think people enjoyed it for sure, but I think it was, a, people were so, uh, it was a weird time, uh, <laughs> as we all know. And I think people were so overwhelmed with just getting from morning to night that, that this album might've just passed without people noticing. Um, for us, it's definitely a great document of our live experience, we're gonna call it, cause it's not just a show, it's an experience. Um, I think it really can, can show you what will happen at a Duchess show. Um, but I think we're also ready at this point. That was songs that some of them we've been doing since 2013, you know, so, I think that at this point we're ready. Uh, we're already talking about a new record. We're we're ready to sort of get some new energy in. Yeah, we uh, we also missed the opportunity to celebrate it with the CD release party. But the few shows that we have done since this new era, um, we actually went to Atlanta to do a show that was supposed to be on March 11th or 12th, right, ladies, um, 2020. We went there. Um, when was that? It seems like yesterday. We were just in Atlanta and yes. we were able to do a show. And then afterwards, people would say, I love the show. We're like, good, buy this record. <laughs> like, this is, this is what you want. Um, and that's been, uh, and that's, that's, you know, while the repertoire may change, I feel like it is kind of evergreen because it's, you know, the jokes will change as we go forward, but that's really exactly what you said, Nikki, that's a Duchess show. And it's been, it's really wonderful to be able to, to say to enthusiastic audience members, you know, you love the show and you're going to love this record. That's a great point because so often someone will come to a gig and they'll say, I want to buy your music. And you'll say, well, I have this album. It's a bit different to what you just heard. The music's not the same. The It's a studio album, but here, and then they're like, I don't know if I want it. And so in fact, your product, even though you have maybe now moved on from that repertoire, the product is timeless and so valuable anytime, as you say, unless you do a live show. Hillary, I want to shoot this to you because for folks who maybe are coming to Duchess anew through this show, um, which in which case I say to them, welcome and you're lucky, you're in for a treat. That first discovery is always the best. It's like the first coffee of the day. The second one's never as good. So, but can we talk other vocal trios, specifically female vocal trios, the Andrew sisters and distinctions and similarities for Duchess? Well, so you gave me a hard question to start off. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it's unavoidable. It's inescapable. If you're three women singing in harmony, uh, particularly coming out of, of jazz and music that swings. I mean, we, I don't really think we had much of a choice, but to just embrace that there's this legacy that, that we're, you know, trying to, to step into. And we do have a handful of uh, transcriptions in our books. So there are, there's a number of points in, in this album and in all of our shows when we really uh, tip our collective proverbial hat to these groups um, in, a, in a very direct way of paying homage. Like we are performing this song by this group. Um, and we still, you know, we find ways to put our twist on it. Sometimes it's something as personal as like writing a whole set of lyrics about ourselves that we kind of stuff in the middle. Other times we have kazoos shaped like musical instruments, um, which I'm not sure is quite as reverent. Um, but, you know, we, we have to, to lean into it and just, embrace that there's this history of this music. And, and I think also respect the fact that a lot of the people who maybe come out to hear us, um, they want some of that too. I mean, and, and that idea of, of being entertainers and wanting to um, 
wanting for people to have fun, whether or not they even identify as jazz fans or people who know a lot about jazz music. We want people to come and have a great time at our shows. And um, everybody knows the Andrews sisters. Not as many people know the Boswell sisters. So that's definitely been a fun, um, a fun exploration, certainly for the three of us. And I think also to offer to the audiences, but um, equally inescapable is the fact that we are all you know, we're in the 21st century and we are not those groups. And thankfully for us, we have the wild good fortune of having an in-house arranger who's, who's created a whole bunch of bespoke arrangements tailored to our sensibilities and our voices. So I think it's a really nice balance. We've been really fortunate to strike a balance between, you know, gratitude for everything that came before and then also uh, getting to say, and this is, this is who we are now. I'll give you more hard questions. That was a fantastic okay. answer. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank that you. leads us nicely onto, I kind of would imagine he's like George Martin to the Beatles, but your fourth Duchess member, who I'm sure looks smashing in a dress. Um, the lovely- he has great legs. Oh, yeah, you're gonna make listeners be like, I'm going to live Duchess show. And then they'll walk around and be like, where is the fourth Duchess <laughs> member? <laughs> Melissa promised. But he has better legs than I do. And don't ask me how I know Amy's Amy's his wife, but somehow I, I think she's just told me that I've seen him in shorts. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, and and he is Odette Lefari, a Grammy nominated arranger, composer, fantastic pianist in his own right. And yeah, the kind of sleeper member of your group. So could somebody tell us about his work with all of you and also perhaps how his musical stamp does contemporize the group uh, while you are both, you know, paying homage to the tradition and being of a certain ilk, but are there things that he contributes which make quite, make sure the Duchess is a, a 21st century, well, a 2020 something group? Um, I guess I'm, I, I will speak to it knowing him, perhaps the best of everyone. Um, so it, he, we do, he is the fourth Duchess. He's um, the, uh, Wow, I forget what we call him, guys. Help me out. The Charlie to our angels. Thank you. And Yo Dead. Yo Dead harkens way back. It does. Early, early yeah. 2000s there. <laughs> um, so it was actually his idea to, for the group in general. He, um, I was looking for something to do for one of my 55 bar nights and I wanted to do something different because I'm crazy and I always want to do something different. And he suggested calling Melissa and Hillary and putting together some, just some stock arrangements, having some fun with some Andrew sisters. And, you know, um, we had access to all these arrangements, thanks to uh, my mom and the Toronto All-Star Big Band. They do that rep. And so I called her and got all these arrangements and we got together and um, the rest, as they say, is history. Um, so when we started, uh, after that first gig, when we realized we had to continue doing this, um, we knew we didn't want to be a tribute act. That was that was pretty clear. And having Oded um, do these arrangements made it possible for us not to be a tribute act. You know, um, I suppose we could have gotten arrangements from anyone, but he um, is on our team, sort of from the beginning. You know, so at the beginning, you're not like you don't have a huge commission to to get arrangements done. So you need someone to just be on the team, and and that was him. And I think. Um, you know, he's involved in choosing repertoire as well, which I mean is, uh, it's, it's, it, it puts his voice in there and a different sort of opinion on we're three singers, you know, who sometimes have a, have a very like, you know, we have an opinion about songs and lyrics and sometimes he'll bring something and be like, well, but how about this? Because it might have like some more complex chord changes that we didn't think about or, um, whatever. It just, it's just a different perspective, uh, and, and I think he really did, um, you know, a lot of these arrangements we find when we're singing them, it's funny, the, um, the transcriptions are super uh, traditional in terms of the harmonies. So it's like a lot of sixth chords, it's a lot of triadic, um, there's not a lot of extensions. And in some of the stuff that Odette has done for us, and not always, uh, because he's not the kind of person who's going to you know, write to be, um, I don't know, cool. He's not going to write to be cool, you know? So we're not, we're not doing anything like totally like super hip 
new jazz. Woo. But we are, you know, a lot of this stuff has has some really cool uh, harmonic sensibility that wouldn't have been there at the time of the Andrews sisters. They weren't doing that. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely part of it. And um, he also brings his sense of humor, which I think like that's so important for the three of us. And then to have someone who brings that into the arrangements as well, makes it sort of deeply embedded in what we do instead of just us in the breaks being like, yucka, yucka, yucka. It's like inside, you know, there's these like musical jokes that he sort of puts in and um, like funny little, he writes the the background stuff for us a lot. The background, like when, when people have a solo tune, he writes the backgrounds and he's like, I don't know, this is kind of weird. I don't know if it's going to work. And we're like, oh, that's hilarious. We're doing that, you know? So um, I think it's been really important for us to have um, those original arrangements. Otherwise we would, we would there. And there are a lot of really great tribute acts out there not to sort of diminish what they're doing, but but that's not what we were setting out to be. So I just wanted to mention we, in 2014, we went to New Orleans and we were part of um, a big celebration of the Boswell sisters. And that was our first experience being uh, side by side with these, with tribute groups. And it was, um, it was startling and interesting, very interesting. It helped us kind of solidify and go, oh, oh, we don't, do that. Um, and, and one, but one of the things that we learned when we were there is that the Boswell sisters specifically had quite a weird side to them. Apparently they used to go on stage having like blacked out some of their teeth. And I, I you know, I mean, I, I actually haven't done much research into them, even though we, we know um, that Boswell's granddaughter, Kyla Titus, who is actually the person who gave us um, the song Dawn that was written by, um, by Vet and uh, we recorded it, um, but it's, it, it sort of opened my eyes to like, there's, there's what we know in terms of the recordings and also in the Boswell sister, uh, the Andrews sisters as well. And then there, there are these tales that we hear about how, you know, there is this tradition also of irreverence, um, at least in the Boswell sisters. And I think when I see some of the Andrews sisters choreography in some of these movies, I'm like, oh yeah, I can get with that thing you're doing. Um, but one of the things that that speaks to that as well is, is again, Oded. And because he had such a clear vision at the beginning, uh, maybe not, you know, right when he said to Amy, hey, give Melissa and Hillary a call. But very soon afterwards, it seemed like he was a, a really important driver in the vision of the group in the fact that it was not going to be a tribute thing, and was going to include not only humor, but something uh, a lot of individual pieces so we're not we're not a homogenous sound as the three of us singing which is on purpose uh, we can do that and we did do that on um on the piece that Odette arranged for us on going home for example but a lot of times we're more you can hear the three voices and and we we can blend but it's like you know a little more of three you know um but also in the humor so he called me up at the very genesis of the group and called me up, you know, on my own. And it felt like really secretive. And he's like, Melissa, Melissa, do you have an eye patch? And I, and, and that's, you know, this is my producer calling me up and, and I like, because he knows me pre Duchess and he's been my producer in the past. And he like kind of gets me and I get him. I was like, I don't, but I have a clown nose because I know what he's going for. He was like, Melissa, I think it's going to be your job to crack them up on stage. And it turns out we all do it for each other. But at the beginning, and I think he might've had conversations with each of the duchesses and sort of like kind of behind the scenes puppeteer, um, you know, just not in a manipulative way, but in ways that um, both musically in what he gives us to sing and also in how he encourages us individually to bring ourselves and our personality and our sense of humor into the group um, has been a big part of, of the vision. It, it always just has felt right. It, it, there's never been a moment where I'm like, is this what we should be doing? Should we be being this, this goofy? I don't know. It just, uh, it's felt clear from the beginning that, yep, we're going to go for this. We're all, we're going to be super serious about how musical and, and awesome we are, but we're also going to do this other thing. That's, you know, really personal. 
I would liken you all to the Tina Fey and Amy Polos of the, the jazz vocal world who are like unbelievably highly skilled, but yet they're the people who at an award ceremony will, you know, literally put on an eye patch or create a whole, a whole shtick. But on that note of humor, let's talk banter. Because as I mentioned before, the banter has been included in this live album, which I never would have considered to do I didn't consider that it was there and then when I was delving in and listening and I was like this is fantastic Hillary when you hear banter from another musician or perhaps another singer specifically that really speaks to you and you enjoy what is it about that banter that is effective for you well the first when I was I, I don't know 10 11 years old um we had my parents had a pretty good vinyl collection and um, one of the records in there was Carmen McRae's Sings the Great American Songbook. And it was a record she made in 1974, I think, 73 or 74 at a club called Dante's in Los Angeles. And she was with, uh, you know, she was with Jimmy Rolls and Chuck DeMonico and um, Joe Pass. I mean, it, she just, um, she was just with a band singing standards. But on the vinyl, the CD includes some of the, the her inter, her spoken interludes, but the vinyl includes like a lot of it. And for me, that whole record was just, that's, it, it bespoke what I knew lay outside the confines of where I was, which was in, you know, East Jesus, Alaska, in the middle of nowhere. It was cosmopolitan. It was late night. It was sophisticated. Carmen has, of course, like such an, you know, she's got an edge. Um, but she was so, um, she was just, she was so relaxed. You know, she wasn't, it, it, she was just, she was joking around with, with the band. She would talk about the tune. Sometimes she would say a lot, sometimes she wouldn't say as much, but it just, to me, that just forever set the tone of like, this is what a show is. This is what it is to be a singer, to be on stage. And, and from the time I first started singing, it never occurred to me that you wouldn't engage with the audience and, and speak with the audience. I think it's important to have a point I, I don't think anyone wants to hear about your problems. I don't think anyone wants to read your diary and hear about why this song means so much to you. Like, no, there's a way to do it, right? But I think that without, but I, I think that context that that a singer can provide and um, that that kind of conduit between the musicians on stage and the people in the audience, I, I think there's something very much missing from a show. So I don't, I, I really don't ever want to be at a show where someone's like, and then this other time I was really sad and we broke up and I was just eating a lot of food and this song kind of came out of that because I really feel like nobody cares. But if you're telling people, from an honest place, like, yeah, this is where this came from. And here's why it might matter to you. And it's a little, it should be a little bit larger than life and it should be a little presentational, but it should be authentic and you should have a destination. And, um, you know, the length of this answer, answer notwithstanding, it should probably be concise. Um, but it's part of the show. To me, it's missing if, if you're at a show and, and it's not there, if it's just people playing tunes and then kind of like nodding to themselves and then going right into the next one. I personally am not as interested. I, I can have a record on, but I want to know who these people are and where they're coming from and to see the dynamic amongst them. And, and particularly with what the three of us do, like, it, like Amy said, I mean, it is fun. It, we're there to have a good time. There's a heavy duty entertainment component. I mean, we are not making ponderous navel gazing music about very heavy social issues, um, which is not to say that the music isn't serious. And, and I think actually that having fun is really serious, that, that bringing joy is really serious. Um, and the, the nonsense on stage is, is part of that, but hopefully it's nonsense with a direction. What are we doing now, guys? I'm a little in the dark. Giuseppe, Giuseppe. <gasps> yussel, yussel. <laughs> this song has had a lot of different lives. Um, it started out on the Borscht Belt somewhere, I think. Found its way into the Andrews Sisters repertoire, and now we're here to oh inflict gosh. it upon you. <laughs> Her beau will never ask her 
dims the light It's ten to one that you will hear her say Oh, Joseph, Joseph, won't you make your mind up? It's time I knew just how I stand with you My heart's no clock that I can stop and wind up Each time we make up after being through So listen, Joseph, Joseph, time is fleeting And here and there my hair is turning gray My mother has a fear Wedding bells I'll never hear Joseph, Joseph, won't you name the day? Joseph, won't you name the day? Oh, Joseph, won't you name the day? Oh, Joseph, won't you name the day? Name the day, name the day. Well, it's nonsense done well. Thank you. And that is the gravitas. <laughs> no, I mean, 100% of Melissa was typing in the sidebar, preach, um, <laughs> taking Hillary back to her Alaska upbringing. But um, I, I do want to say in terms of the seriousness, you are a serious group and not that external praise or reaction really matters, right? Because we're in this for the process, you're in this for the, the entire journey. But you did pop up in, I was interviewing the lovely Michael Mayo, and he referenced all of you. You are how he met his producer, and he could not say enough nice things. And the other group of people who said, we see what you're doing, we love what you're doing, and here's a little nod of appreciation, just in case you need some gas in your tank to keep going, is the Jazz Journalists Association, who awarded you in 2021, so it is recent and it is relevant, you were all winner of the, the Jazz Vocal Group of the Year Award. What did that mean to you? I do like to ask. Shocking. Shocking. We were shocked. Even just to be mentioned with those, you know, with those other groups was sort of, and in such a, it, it, this is how shocked, because I can't put sentences together. Um, it was such a tough year and we couldn't, you know, we tried really hard to, you know, we had this record come out, we couldn't tour, we couldn't do anything, um, which is, you know, all that normal stuff that you do when a new record comes out. And then, so we tried to do these online hangs with each other and we would, you know, have guests and we did the four panel videos and, you know, all that stuff. But it was so sometimes like we would get to those, that time of the night we did it at like 9 p.m. And the, th the three of us would come on at 8.45 and be like, hey, yeah, I can't believe we're gonna do this. Okay, So, I mean, we weren't always in the mood to do this and we did it and we ended up feeling, of course, always a million times better after we were done and we hung out and we got to like laugh and hang out like we, like we do on stage just without being able to, you know, grab each other's butts while we're, while we're doing it, you know? <laughs> um, but it was such a, it was, it meant, even more, I think, because we had had such a hard year and we had tried so hard to sort of stay connected to each other, but also to the audience, you know? Um, and I think that was, that made it even more special to us. Um, and, you know, as I was trying to say at the beginning, but couldn't finish that sentence, just to be, we all listened to Manhattan Transfer when we were growing up. They hate it when we say that, but it's just true. It's facts. And the New York Voices, you know, we've 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 been watching and dancing and singing along with these people uh, since since we were children. And um, you know, we really respect and love all the ladies of of Sage, and they're like so doing something so amazing and different from us. I mean, it's really like I would not even put us in the same category because it's it's really like apples and I mean, all four groups are totally different. Um, so, so to be even, I mean, just to be nominated was an honor, but it really is true. I mean, you know, you hear people say that all the time and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. True. hundred percent true. And then when it came through that we, that we won, it just kind of like, couldn't really comprehend it, but we're extremely grateful. Well, I loved seeing you all get that acknowledgement from afar. <laughs> cheerleading in the corner. I thought, oh, that's just fantastic. I do want to know obviously, because I'm going to ask it, but the three of you as individuals, Melissa referenced this in terms of what it does to your three voices being combined. It's blended, but it's never kind of as perhaps homogenous as if you were all sisters, right? Or you shared those genetic traits. 
but not just vocally in terms of personalities, you're all different, but all equally vibrant, which is why I think all of the in-between interludes and the humor and the whole atmosphere and vibe on stage is such a joy. But musically, you are all, this, this group, I think really, I'm saying this so badly, but the group really highlights the range of all of you. Because I just want listeners to know individually, you know, Amy has paid homage to contemporary artists like Camille, French singer, uh, the Cardigans, I think is in there. Yep, Luffle. Melissa, one of my favorite tracks of Melissa's aside from her cover of The Beatles' Blackbird is also um, Edgar Meyer's Sliding Down, which is, you know, Americana Bluegrass. And then Hillary just released the most sensational duo album covering all of Inara George's music. Um, right? I forget the name of her band for those tracks. It's, uh, it was the, the bird, bird and the bee. bee. Yeah. yeah. And weirdly, they're the synth pop duo. And it's probably the most just like super, super straight ahead Jazzy McJazzerson thing that we've ever that I've ever done. So yeah, that was interesting. It's, no, it's so fantastic. It, it works so well. But so these are all very contemporary references. And then of course, the repertoire for Duchess is predominantly, although it's been reimagined and being reinterpreted, it's traditional jazz fare. So given that you have these wide-ranging influences as individual artists and then you all come together what do you think that kind of adds to your approach your experience in swimming through this music and learning it and absorbing it and then ultimately I guess just what happens when you are live and you're just out there I have something to say about that so I will I was waiting to see if anyone else did because I just spoke um I think that when we came together, we made a decision about what Duchess was going to be. Now, has it changed maybe? Are we malleable? Of course, always. But I think it was pretty important for us to decide that we weren't going to do uh, what a group like the Papini sisters does, which is like take a song like Love Fool. I'm just saying that because I can't think of anything else and like put it into a hot jazz or a jazz sort of style. We decided from the beginning, that's not what we want to do. We want to take, you know, I think our most contemporary song at this point is from the fifties. Am I right guys? Or maybe sixties, maybe sixties, maybe you know? So like it was, it was a very deliberate decision from the beginning that we were going to be exploring and not always the most popular songs. And, you know, we're going to find some great un discovered or not super overdone jazz standards and um, musical theater repertoire and and go with that. So I think that made it almost easy from the beginning because we didn't have to like, oh, should we be, should we? No, we decided we made this like group decision about what it was going to be. And I think for me, I think it's different for each of us, but I think for me, because I haven't really been doing I mean, the last record I did by myself that was straight, straight, straight ahead jazz was the Blossom Deary record. And that now at this point is like, you know, almost 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so this gives me, I mean, that's that's really important to me, but it's also equally important for me to explore and do, you know, do all kinds of different things. So, so this gives me an opportunity to scratch that for me. You know, I can come here and I know what we're doing. And I know the um, I know the wheelhouse that I need to be in. And there's no reason for me to try and like explore outside of that in this context because we know what it is. So I have this one moment where I do a solo that I kind of get a little bit unhinged on. It's like this little blues moment. And so I get a little bit, but it's one small little moment in what I like know I wouldn't sing like that in this group, in any other context. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So I think, I think the bottom line for me is that knowing and having defined what we are and what we are looking to do has sort of um, helped me. Yes, I bring all of the other parts of me to everything that I do, but, but I also know where I need to live for this. It's, this is also a job. And if I came in, and started like, you know, doing whatever, just being 
exploring my sound in this context. What is what that? You get fired from your job if you do that. Like it's not in the, the job description. <laughs> I think too, I want to draw a distinction. I, I, I agree completely, Amy, with what you said about we decided and we continue to sort of decide collectively as we, as we work together, um, we decide what Duchess is. And in doing so, we're also deciding what Duchess is not. And in this paradoxical way, um, that's, that's quite liberating. Um, you know, whom the gods wish to destroy, they give unlimited resources, right? Parameters are good. They, they create, um, there's, a, there's a, a breathing that happens when you're in a working band, which is not something that exists as often as I think we'd like in jazz. There's such a culture of a pickup group and you, you know, get together with people and maybe you know them and maybe you don't, you call tunes and it can all kind of work, but there's something really exciting that happens as music evolves over years when you're performing, you know, and, and there is a certain static quality to a vocal harmony arrangement. Right? You can't, you, you're not gonna improvise that. We all have to sing a planned thing or this is all gonna come tumbling down. But there's this evolution that happens with the, with the songs, with all of us, that's really quite, um, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's ever-changing. And, and the other distinction I wanna make is between shtick and gimmick. Like we are not afraid to be shticky. There is no shortage of shtick in a Duchess show or in a Duchess record. But Amy's point about us making a conscious decision to not do, you know, like all the single ladies as though we were 1942, like that's a gimmick. And there's plenty of people doing that. And we don't have to get into that because I have a lot of opinions, but I, I don't like gimmick. I've, I don't, and I think we always wanted to, to not be a gimmick. Like there's a big wink in what we do and shtick is fine, silly is fine, but gimmick is cheap, I think. And we are very expensive. We're not that expensive, call us for gigs. <laughs> but, but gimmicks are, are schlocky. Grab your coat and get your hat. Leave your worries on the doorstep. Direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Can't you hear a bit of pat? And that happy tune is your step. Life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street. I used to walk in the shade. Hi there, I'm jumping on here quickly to tell you how you can best support the jazz session if you so wish. This podcast is made possible thanks to the generosity and enthusiasm of listeners who enjoy these conversations so much that they decide to become Patreon members over at the Jazz Sessions Patreon page. If you head to thejazzsession.com slash join, you will be able to find out information about the different tiers of membership and what sorts of perks you'll be privy to. Things like weekly bonus episodes or monthly episodes featuring interviews with jazz industry insiders that you'll receive a whole month before the general public do, online hangs and so forth. Head to thejazzsession.com slash join to find out more. In the meantime, if you're happy to rate and review this podcast, even just a star rating, which takes all of two seconds, that would be so valuable to helping other people find the podcast and also having the podcast show up on all of these search engines when people are looking for interviews with jazz artists, which is what the Jazz Session is all about. So please do rate, review and subscribe to the Jazz Session wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you in advance. I really, really appreciate the support and your listening in. 
Now, back to the conversation. What has surprised you about being part of Duchess that you expected or that you didn't expect? Um, I'm trying to think about it sort of objectively and without the hindsight. Do you know what I mean? And to imagine what I was thinking eight years ago. Um, you know, I was initially surprised that this became more than a one-off, you know, and um, I knew from the beginning, I think that um, musically, I had sung with both Hillary and Melissa separately, and also um, with Hillary in a group. So I knew that was not going to be an issue. And I knew that like the three of us, we had actually done something once before that with the addition of uh, Carolyn Lenhart. Um, so it's not like we had never combined voices before. So we sort of, I didn't know it was going to work as well as it did, certainly. Um, I think that initially we were surprised by the audience reaction. Um, I don't think we expected that. I think, you know, we have supportive fans individually. So like we knew that people would come out to that first gig, but I don't think that the reaction was expected. Um, you sometimes think about this, and especially that first gig, because we weren't doing, we were like, we were singing Andrew's sisters, like really. And we did one Boswell and one high school jazz arrangement, you know, like this was nothing that people hadn't heard before, but I think it really like filled, um, filled a hole that, that had been growing over the years. Um, certainly with, with that, with the style of what we were doing. And, and I think also the entertainment piece of it, you know, there are people who do it for sure. And we're not like the first people in, in the two thousands to, to put on a show, you know, like, and, and with, with jazz, you know, and, and the music being an, an integral part and a, and a super serious part of what there are people who do that for sure there. Um, but I think that uh, certainly in New York, and in the time that we were doing it, I think that, that that had been, you know, a little bit neglected, that the audience had been a little bit neglected. There was a lot of, you know, very serious, very, um, you know, ponderous, is that what you said, Hillary, earlier? Like that sort of like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think there was a lot of that happening and that became the important music and that became, and still is frankly, like, you know, look at all the, if you look at any of the like end of year polls, there is a lot of straight eighth notes and there is a lot of like very um, meandering and listen, that sounds like I'm criticizing. I'm not criticizing. It's just something different, you know? Um, so I think I have been a little bit surprised I mean, I'm not as much anymore, but I've been a little bit surprised at how the audiences have uh, reacted to what we're doing. And um, then also a little surprised at how, like we've gotten some amazing shows and amazing gigs um, and opportunities at some really big festivals and really great clubs, but then also surprised at how, how sometimes, you know, you put this out there and you're like, guys, we're going to put on a great show and your audience, you can sell tickets to this show. Like you will sell tickets if you market this properly. And then there's like a, like dead silence. And like, it's been at the beginning, it was super easy. And then all of a sudden it became a little bit harder than I wanted it to be, you know, <laughs> or than I expected it to be partly because it was so easy at the beginning, you know? Um, so yeah, that's the only thing it's, it's hard to think about it. Uh, in terms of um, surprises. I mean, I'm surprised on stage at least once a night by Melissa. I'm surprised every time we sing unison and it, I can't tell who's who. It surprises me every single time, you know? It's never not delightful and surprising. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Any additions? I don't think so. I don't think this surprised me, but it, it, it has, um... It's just been delightful how uh, how close we've become, the three of us, the four of us with the dead, and also our band. And it's it feels really good. Yeah. And uh, especially over the past year and a half and 
we we had a, a couple of Duchess Zoom cocktail hours when those kind of things were first happening in the early, early pandemic and our, our mm-hmm. Facebook lives, um, during which we also interviewed quite a number of people and had had special guests and did some extra projects with them and some recording um, and kind of grew, kind of grew our family. But just the like the core of us and our band, Michael Cabe, Matt Aronoff, Jared Schoenig, and Jesse Lewis, and also Jeff Letterer, who's on saxophone on um, on all four of our albums, right, Hillary? Wait, no, he's not on the on the Christmas album. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a really incredible group of people and um, it's so comforting and, you know, like a really safe place to explore this music. Um, and everybody's, everybody's on the same page um, in terms of what the goal is. I mean, that's a big, a big part of it. We have to pick up bands sometimes um, and a lot want to give extra props to Amy Servini for not only being our manager, let's face it, Amy has, has been, you know, doing a lot of the, the, the booking and managing work through the years, sometimes even while we had a booking agent, but, <laughs> um, but also when we're on the road and when we're on stage, even with our band, we discovered pretty early on, or maybe it was like, I discovered it, but Amy and Hillary knew already that it just makes more sense when there's one person counting off a tune. <laughs> so Amy has been our, essentially our onstage musical director, the, the, the duration of the time. And so when we go on the road and pick up a band, that's an extra lot of work that Amy has to do. Um, it's made a lot easier when the people have checked out the music and when they can do what we need them to do. Um, we've been very lucky and sometimes not quite so lucky. But another piece of it is this other thing that you can't, you can't, you know, see in a resume or or really tell if you're looking at someone's YouTube videos or listening to their to their music. And that's that they're going to be down with the vibe that we have. And we have that in spades with our band. It's it's tremendous. It's not a backing trio or quartet plus us. It's really a collective thing. And you hear that on the live record. Yeah. Hillary, anything you want to add? I mean, I saw this coming from the beginning. I haven't been surprised. I think um, I, 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 I just think, I, I don't know if I'd, if I'd call it a surprise and that I was shocked that it happened at all, but, um, but it's been really gratifying to sort of discover how fulfilling this, this being a part of Duchess is and, and how much it has just seamlessly integrated um, membership in Duchess has seamlessly integrated itself into just my whole kind of musical self. And um, I don't know that I would have necessarily expected that. Um, there's definitely like a faction of, of, you know, occasionally people, bookers or, I don't know, writers, occasionally they'll, they'll say something to me that says, you know, that, that tells me that they associate me really just with Duchess. And that's fine. Like, I'm a little surprised by how, like, that's okay. Great. How lovely, you know, it's just, especially after the past, after the past 18 months, I just, I think the, the collaborative nature of of music making and particularly, uh, you know, as a singer, there is really nothing like singing with other people. There there's, you cannot do that alone. It cannot be replicated with MIDI, anything, it's just, it's a, it's a unique experience. And it's just become, you know, ever more clear to me after so much isolation, how important that is to just my, my own uh, sense of, of self in music. Melissa brought up the fact that the three of you had for a while and hosted and ran a podcast called Harmony and Hijinks. And I'm so glad she did because I was such a fan of it and it's still online so folks can still go and listen to it. I loved, it made me feel like I was getting to hang out with the three of you and whomever your lucky guest was. (laughs) Um, So as stalwarts of the jazz interview podcast genre, 
what is your advice aside from getting a Zoom account so that when there are more than one, when there's more than one person on the interview, we don't have to break at 45 minutes and log on again. <laughs> give give me all your gems. <laughs> um, I will say that um, part of what we, it's it's kind of amazing that what you said was that you were, you felt like you were hanging out with us. That was the the point of the podcast. That was like, you know, what we want to do is kind of extend our onstage experience and people seem to want to like, it's, we're a fun hang. We're really, yeah, we're, we're fun, you know? And, and even just, you know, when we have our own meetings, it kind of came from that. We would like have our, have our band meeting and end up like shooting the shit and, you know, not all the time we got some work done, but, you know, laughing and, you know, discussing important topics. And we were like, we should be recording this and letting people hear it just because I think it would be interesting to people, you know? Um, and so I, I find it really interesting that, that that's what you came away with because what it is, is just an honest conversation, which I think is, is what you're doing so well, you know, like if you're just honest and curious about other people and what they're doing, that comes across like in spades, you can't, you know, no one wants to hear I mean, I certainly don't. Maybe some people do. Um, I think my son wants to hear that like super manufactured sort of conversation, but I'm not interested. I want to hear people having an honest conversation. And I think- Kids these days. Get off my lawn. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I, you're, you're doing awesome. And, you know, I have to tip my hat to uh, Jason as well, because, you know, when I, I remember finishing my, my interview with Jason and being like, oh my God, it was like a conversation that wasn't just like, I didn't, I didn't actually like the silence after question to where answer comes means that it's not something that I've answered a million times before. So it's actually a good sign. I know it's not good radio, but it's a good sign, <laughs> you know, because it means I actually have to think about an answer. It's not something that I can be like, oh, here's question number 542. And I will answer it this way with maybe a different spin today because to keep myself amused, you know, um, so good on you. There were some silence after questions, Nikki. <laughs> I hope, will you bring the podcast back, ladies? It's we, a lot of work, Nikki. It's a lot of work. I don't know if you, you might know not this. know. You might not know. Have you, have you embarked? I just resigned from my day job and literally said yesterday to my, my husband, I was like, I thought maybe I was just being lazy and I should keep the day job going. But after this week, I just can't. He was like, no, you can't. I was like, say it again louder for the... Um, who knows? I don't know. It, it was an awful lot of work. I don't think we've ruled anything out, but we definitely have our eyes kind of on the horizon um, to whatever, to, to the next project, which is kind of, you know, looming. I think, can you divulge? What is oh the next project? The next project? We're still in, in, um, in, a, in a phase. As my voice teacher famously always has said, she's from North Carolina, she says, I'm remaining curious. <laughs> so we're remaining curious, but I think it is safe to, to say that, um, that we will be delving deeper into our um, appreciation of and exploration of the repertoire of the Rat Pack and their whole sensibility and um, just that, that idea of friends, friends having fun and making music together. Opaque enough. When the bells all ring and the horns all blow and the couples we know are fondly kissing, will I be? Whose arms will hold you 
good and tight When it's exactly twelve o'clock that night Welcoming in the with something that literally just occurred to me minutes ago and I was like speaking of gimmicks um Hillary although maybe this will be so great that it, it can go into shtick category we can elevate it I'd love to do a rapid fire round oh yeah with, we love rapid fire yeah. yeah yeah okay let's see all right so and I'll do it and we'll go one 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 answer wise so you can all in what show order uh well I'm looking at my my little boxes so let's go Hillary Melissa, Amy, unless you want to go alphabetical. That's fine. No, okay. you tell Hillary, us. Melissa, Amy. Okay. okay. Straight tone or vibrato? Well, it depends. You're allowed to expand. Um, well, I mean, I think, I, think, uh, I think healthy singing should always, always include access to vibrato. Like a free voice vibrates. That's just, that's, that's in the hardware. Um, and then the, the joy of good technique is that you adapt to the stylistic demands of whatever you're singing. So that's a decision to be made in the moment, but I think it should always be a decision and not something one is, is forced into vocally or stylistically. Okay, Melissa. Woo. Oh, do I have to go after Hillary? Fine, Amy. Oh man. This is going so well. No, Are fine. we out of gimmick yet? No, no, no we're good. We're good. We're good. That's good. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with Hillary. Absolutely. Um, Sometimes I have a, I sometimes I have a preference as a listener, depending on the repertoire, but yeah, as a singer, I think access to both is really important and that it be, that it be a choice is really great. And I really, I really dislike it when someone, um, when I'm being asked to eliminate all vibrato all the time, I find, I find that, um, that hurts me. <laughs> I mean, if it's for, if it's for a specific thing, but if someone's just like, if I'm in a recording session or something and someone's like, oh, and by the way, like all straight tone all the time. I mean, there, there's a time and a place for that, but yeah, if it's just like, I, if, if someone's like, I really don't like vibrato, I'll be like, I don't think I'm your singer then, you know, so. I'm going to answer as a listener. I would any day prefer to hear uh, straight tone than like excessive straight tone than excessive vibrato. Like if we're well, going on the, on the edges, I agree with everything they said. And yes, yes, absolutely. Both back. But if we're going to like rapid it and talk about the extremes on either end, I will take um, a straight tone to listen to like excessive straight over excessive vibrato. Okay. And then let's also expand for the listeners. Give me a name of favorite straight tone singer, oh. favorite vibrato heavy singer, Hillary. I don't, if you can, I, I don't think about singing that way. I, I sometimes okay. straight tone is appropriate. So like, I, I don't have any singers that I can think of who are like, they only sing straight tone, like, or not only let's say, but you know, heavy on the straight versus heavy on the vibrato, any names, just, just so listeners can be like, who are they talking about? What are they talking about? Okay. So I'll say this. I mean, she wasn't completely, uh, there was some vibrato occasionally with her, but I, Dinah Washington is someone I really associate with like a real straight tone, just straight tone delivery. Um, not my, also somebody that is associated with a lot of vibrato. And I will say she's not my favorite in time, sometimes because I think the vibrato was excessive with Sarah Vaughn. Like enough already, lady, you know. Uh, um, uh, on the vibrato side, Joni. Um, and, uh, on the straight side, although he can do everything, but Theo, I don't think I have answers. I don't have answers. I, I'm, I'm I think part of it is that I, I grew up, uh, as a saxophonist. So I really like, I can't tell you who's using vibrato and who's not sometimes because like right now I can't even think about, it. I'm like, what does Blossom Deary sound like? She sounds like Blossom. I'm like, I'm trying hard to like think about whether it includes a lot of vibrato or not. And I can't for the life of me decide whether it has vibrato or not. I just don't remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. I will offer, I think Blossom's quite straight because also not super sustained right. all the time. Right. So you also. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. 
Really conversational. <laughs> okay. Okay. We go on. Mm. Sarah or Ella? One word. <laughs> Ella. 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 Ooh, Sarah <laughs> Fang. I be... love Sarah too, but I <laughs> love Sarah too, but. <laughs> it's all right. I'm Ella too. Sarah had so many, so many phases. I don't have time for all of that. Anyway, <laughs> ballad or fly by the seat of your pants swinger? Like really up-tempo burning swinger or like mid-tempo? No, up, up, a ballad. Up, up tempo. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> up tempo. Too tired. Ba- oh, Hang Amy. me out. Okay. Hang me out. Chocolate or scone. Let me wiggle around. <laughs> Cho- <laughs> Chocolate <laughs> or scotch. <laughs> oh, it's too hard. Chocolate. Scotch. Okay. Studio album or live album? Studio. Oh. Hi, life. Uh, I'm going to say studio as well. Right. Or you could have gone live album, but edit it so much and re-record things that basically it becomes studio, which is not. Well, so mine is mine is actually studio album, but. Or live-ish. It, it, it feels pretty live. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we should reiterate Duchess's live at Jazz Standard <laughs> is in fact live. None of those things apply. Uh, None yeah. of those things happened. Arranger, Odette Levary or Nelson Riddle? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> Um, ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> <laughs> For best of both worlds, a dead levery with 12 cellos, and then you get your strings. Fantastic. So. <laughs> I will say, I will say one thing about the producer mm-hmm. question. This is not a rapid fire, but I do think that there are two kinds of people, two kinds of producers in the world, right? Like one is the kind of producer that whoever the artist is, you hear it and you're like, oh, like, that's a Larry Klein production. That's T-Bone Burnett. That's Nelson Riddle. I mean, he was an arranger, but I think that signature, and then there's someone else who you go, oh, I really hear the identity of this artist. Like that's a masterfully produced record. I don't think that either one is better or worse than the other. I think we can all point to like some desert island records that fit either category. But I do think that um, Nelson Riddle is definitely the guy with the signature. And Oded is definitely the guy that that allows whoever, you know, is interpreting the music to really be themselves to the to the fullest expression of themselves. And, and that is is really a masterful gift. So maybe they're just so different that that in each of those categories, I would choose Nelson Riddle and Oded. Career trajectory, quick rise, overnight sensation, or slow and steady wins the race? Have we met? We're already. (laughs) I'm really hoping it's B because we are S-O-L if it's not. (laughs) Yeah, B. (laughs) Yeah, I think I prefer B too. Like, you know, that is our reality. But I think, uh, first of all, I don't think there's such a thing as overnight success. I think all those people have been working for years at what they do and they just happen. Like I didn't hear about them. And then today I hear about them because everyone's talking about them. I don't think, I don't think there's really such a thing, but I'm happy for the years of knowledge and experience. And I don't wish like any of that overnight, super famous. I mean, we're jazz musicians. We're never going to be super famous, but I don't wish that on anyone. A final one, vocal soloist or vocal trio, go it alone or go with friends. You have to do all of the above. It's the vocal trio is I, I'm sorry. It's it's I, I think how about how about vocal trio with uh with solos for each member on every album, which is yeah, which is another tribute to our skillful producer. Oh dead is brilliant. <laughs> I will accept. I will accept. Hillary, Melissa, Amy. Duchess, Duchess ladies, divine Duchess people, thank you so much for being on the jazz session today. Thank you for having us, Nikki. It was great. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Love, love. Bye. Bye, darling. Santa baby, just slip a sable under the tree for me. Been an awful good girl, Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue I'll wait up for you dear Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight
Savini, Melissa Stigliano, and Hilary Gardner, aka Duchess. You can find out about the tracks that were played during this interview by going into the show notes, either under the episode or on the Jazz Sessions website. Um, do head to thejazzsession.com slash join to find out about the Jazz Sessions Patreon page. You can follow the Jazz Session on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tweet at me, message me. I'd love to hear from you. There is also a YouTube channel to which you can subscribe to watch video excerpts of my conversations with all of this season's guests. Thank you to the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music. Thank you to all of you for listening. And I will see you next week for another conversation with jazz artists about their lives, their process, and much more. I'm Nikki Schrerer, and you've been listening to The Jazz Session, the original jazz interview podcast.